Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Most of us have an inner critic that is not happy with our work, our relationships, or sometimes just everything that surrounds us. In this episode, I want to talk about our inner critic and how to deal with it. What is an inner critic from the spiritual perspective? Um, sure. Um, actually, from the spiritual perspective, you guys may have more than one, just to clarify. But technically speaking, um, at face value, an inner critic is what you would refer to as any part of you, any aspect of you that is essentially not aligned with the status quo, the entirety of you, uh, and potentially the actions that you're taking. So the majority of humanity today, alive and well on Earth, is going to have at least one version of the inner critic, but most of you have on average about three different parts that could be described as an inner critic. Um, essentially, it is what it sounds like. It is that part of you that you may feel or make that may express itself as the inner voice in your head, but it is an aspect of you um, that has been created through different traumatic experiences or as a response, as a coping mechanism, essentially. And it is a part of you that is extremely pronounced. Um, it is definitely one of those common ailments, I would say, of the mind for planet Earth. Um, it is no coincidence that inner critic is so prevalent or the, that, you know, that aspect of you is so ever present on planet Earth. Um, if you remember from our earlier conversations, planet Earth is very much a masculine type of planet, right? Uh, it's a planet of full on masculine energies. An inner critic is a part of you that is a very intellectual part of you. So this is a part of you that is also, I, I would like to call it the judge. Um, so it is a part of you that likes to evaluate everything that you do and everything that you are from a very logical place. Um, so essentially, it's like your guard or prison guard, should we say, in this time-space reality that is a very intellectual-based planet. So... You know, as you know, if we were to scan the universe right now, not every world out there is going to have the concept of the inner critic, but third dimensional worlds and fifth dimensional worlds that tend to skew towards the intellectual masculine side of things are going to be filled with this type of intellectual construct. Very often, this is um, a construct that helps the evolution of humanity or the evolution of the species that survives and, and lives on the planet. It, it doesn't hinder it. However, let's just say that it is not a very quick process to be um, educated by your inner critic, and neither is it a very pleasant process. So to bring it down a notch for you, um, again, a very common ailment, uh, more common than 
cancer more common than heart disease <laughs> on this planet. Um, and it is something that prevents you from living your best life, obviously. Now, the inner critic is something that um, a lot of you can carry over from incarnation to incarnation. So say that you have a soul that incarnates a lot in third dimensional intellectual based worlds. Every time it would incarnate, it would bring with itself a part of the inner critic that is kind of part of its oversoul. In other words, it, as part of your Akashic records, you already are going to have your personal version of the inner critic. That version of the inner critic is not the only version that you're going to have within your body. There could be different versions of your inner critic that are inherited from both of your lineages, right? So each, should I say each of your lineages? And on top of that, on top of that, there could be one or a few different versions of your inner critic that is a byproduct of this particular incarnation and your, your, your past experiences of this lifetime. So, and that is how you get a, a full bouquet of inner critics or internal judges, hmm. right? So again, it's a very intellectual construct. Generally, the inner critic does not operate from the place of feeling. It operates from a place of logic, from a place of intellect, from a place of being rational. And I say rational, I take it with a grain of salt because your inner critic is never rational. It comes across as a judge. It comes across as an executioner, but does it really know better? I think is a big, big, big question. Hmm. Um, does it mean that they judge different parts of you, like these different critics, or they can sometimes judge, just have a strength of four criti critics? So each inner critic is quite unique. Uh, now, it may happen so that, um, in other words, what you get judged for could be different things, right? So I'll give you an example. Let's say that the version of your inner critic that you have inherited from your higher self is an overachiever. And every time that version of your inner critic is going to be upset if you're in from its perspective, right, are not overachieving. Um, your mom's side of the lineage, for instance, can have its own version of an inner critic, which is ex ex essentially an amalg amalgamation, uh, a unity consciousness based on all of the inner critics that different people in the lineage had combined, right? It combines into one inner critic and that inner critic comes comes through as a particular frequency. So for, for your mom's side, for instance, you could have an inner critic that is really critical of your outward appearance, right? Or like what you look like, what you dress like, how much, you know, are you, are you, are you skinny, are you fat? Like it's always unhappy with like the looks, right? But it might not care about your achievement, does it make sense? Yeah. So sense. it doesn't mean that every inner critic is created equal. Uh, one thing you need to understand is each of your, like each of you is going to experience that frequency at a slightly different, unique angle. Right. And again, within you, there could be multiple. And which one, same time. which one usually prevails? Is it the one that you get from your higher self mm -hmm. or? Yeah, I understand the question. Uh, actually, the, the answer is it depends and it depends on the strength of the inner critic. So it's 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 not that somehow your your higher self is more prevalent or more potent. It actually depends on the strength of the inner critic. So one thing you need to understand about the inner critic frequency is that each of them comes with essentially um, its potency level. 
right? Um, for the simplicity, for simplicity's sake, we could say that we could divide the range of an inner critic from zero to 10, with 10 being full on, like really loud, zero being non-existent, right? So say that's the range. It's not that your higher self is always going to be a 10 and your mom's lineage is always going to be a two or a three. Um, it is less about that and more about the composition of that particular inner critic, right? So say that in your mom's lineage, your ancestors were really, really able to cope with their inner critic a lot, or maybe nurture it, or maybe do some shadow work on it, or maybe do some integration. And it, you know, over time, it, maybe it's not like a big, um, it's not a big entity. So it would come across to you as less loud or less potent. You know, maybe it'll be two out of 10 or three out of 10. And it could be that on your dad's side, for instance, right? Um, not enough shadow work has been done, not enough integration work has been done. And say you had um, that inner critic really loud and say it's like nine out of 10. So from your perspective, right? Despite the fact that you might have both of them living inside, you're going to perceive the dad side of your family inner critic. And, and that is going to like take center stage. And your mom's is going to be somewhere in the background just because it's less, um, it's less vocal, it's less loud. Now, it doesn't mean that your the mom's side of your inner critic is not going to impact your life. That does not mean that. It just means that it's, it would not take over to the same degree as your dad, dad's side in a critic. Got it. That makes sense. And uh, if we talk about the origin, like how does it usually start? Uh, how does it appear in your life in the first place? Like how does it develop? You mean if we just take one individual human? Um, yeah, like what would be the trigger for an inner critic to be burn, born. Unfortunately, not, there's not one uh, cohesive answer. Um, the best answer that I can give you is that generally um, the inner critic is a coping mechanism that you develop when you uh, fall short of, of, of your own expectations or when you fall short of somebody else's expectations. Generally, your inner critic has, well, at this point, I don't want to confuse you. Each of your inner critics, should I say, has a particular voice and it is a persona. So if we were to drill deeply into just, let's take one human and let's just imagine they have one and that's it. Um, if you were to explore the inner critic part of you, you would notice that it has a particular age it has a particular gender. It might even have a particular personality. So again, um, going back to the root cause, two reasons. Well, the, the main reason is falling short of expectations. Falling short of expectations is actually a big problem because you at soul level, as well as you in, subconsciously, should I say, um, really like reaching expectations of yourself, your higher self, and the people around you. Because it is your perception that, again, subconscious perception, that by the virtue of you being able to reach those expectations, you're going to evolve faster, right? So essentially, if you, uh, as a higher self, drew or uh, sprung forward a path of an incarnation, you want to hit it, right? So you, wanna, you, you want your lower self to hit it. That being said... Um, so at soul level, you like meeting expectations. You like exceeding expectations. You don't, don't love falling short of expectations because falling short of expectations, again, subconsciously, and you all know that 
generally equals you're going to have to repeat the same lesson over and over and over again until you hit the expectations. Does that make sense? So hitting expectations is essentially highly correlated with faster evolution and not having to repeat the same type of incarnation many, many, many times. So when you fall short of somebody's um, expectations, it is, including your own, by the way, it is a very painful process. Um, it is part of the I'm not enough wound, right? One of the major wounds of each human. And the reason that it tends to have a voice or the reason that it tends to be a particular age is because it would always refer to a particular point in time or a particular instance, occurrence, that something happened during. Um, let me give you an example. Um, say that you're a kid and you, you're doing horse riding uh, and you're, I don't know, let's say your, your father is really, um, has a vested interest in you becoming like a great rider because I don't know, he wants you to play polo because that's his childhood dream or whatever that he never got to experience. And let's say that you fall off a horse and as a result of that, um, you don't, you know, you don't want to ride horses anymore. So essentially your, you know, your dad's dream of you becoming a polo player can never happen. In that moment in time, you know, when you decide that you don't want to go back to ride horses, you may have a conversation with your father that where your father would express that he's disappointed in you, that you don't want to go back, right? And so in that moment in time, your dad in your head is going to be solidified as your inner critic, right? So there is like a portion of, of kind of like your dad's consciousness that criticized you that's going to be solidified within you. Now, it's not necessarily that a part of your dad's energy re like joins your body somehow, but there's an imprint within you that's created. And that imprint is created because of um, trauma. Like in this instance, in the example that I just told you, your dad being disappointed in you is a traumatic experience, right? Because your dad being disappointed in you, by the way, your dad is half of your world at this point when you're really small, right? Is, could potentially equal death, right? Because for, for kid, you know, if half of your universe hates you or is disappointed at you, maybe they're going to stop providing for you. If they stop providing for you, you die, essentially, right? That's kind of like, again, this all happens subconsciously. Like the child is not aware that that is the, the inferences and, 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 and the, thought, the thought process that they have. So that being said, um, uh, your inner critic in this particular case is going to be sponsored by your father energy, right? So how old your father was, say your, your dad was 37, and say your dad spoke a certain way to you or in, in, you know, um, in this particular instance, that is what's going to get solidified as an archetype within you that's going to be your inner critic. So you can fast forward 40 years down the road and your inner critic is still going to talk to you in a masculine voice that is around 37 and it's always going to be telling you how disappointed it is in you, in the choices that you make and in your failures and, you know, when you can't uh, get back up. So that's one example. Does, is that example clear? Just yeah, sure. that's, it's a very good example. Okay, yeah. great. There's another example. If, if we're talking, for instance, at um, the higher self level, um, say there is an inner critic, a version of the inner critic. By the way, not everybody has it to a great degree from their higher self, but enough people do. Um, where that version might have been created in a particular life, right? 
say, and I don't know, like there could be a billion different examples, but say there was a particular life where um, you fell short of your own expectations of becoming, I don't know, a ballet dancer and, and you fell short because you were too fat and I don't know, I'm just making it up um, and, and say they, they didn't want you to, to be a part of the dance troupe anymore. They're like, okay, like either lose weight or you can't be a dancer and say you can't lose weight. So it is like you blaming yourself for being kicked out of ballet school, right? And say that gets uh, re- like really resonates, gets encapsulated as an experience. In this form uh, or like in this example, your inner critic is going to be that girl at the age that it is, that, that like w- when you form that experience. So like your inner critic is going to be female at around the age that she got kicked out of ballet school. That's going to be the inner critic. Does that make sense? So something traumatic happens, like a trigger event. And during that trigger event, somebody triggers um, a coping mechanism that is the inner critic because the inner critic essentially exists in order to be able to prevent you or save you from not meeting expectations. So it's a part of you that's created to help you never not meet expectations again, right? Because that is such a painful thing for you. So the inner critic is essentially created as a response mechanism to make sure that you're on your path as much as possible, as often as possible without fail. And it generally takes on a persona um, of that person that essentially criticized you at one point in time. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 And then you live with this uh, person your entire life, basically. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. Okay. And um, what are the kind of negative sides? Like, or maybe what would the life be without inner critic? Because I think it's like (laughs) very little people experience this kind of life. Without the inner critic? Yeah. Um, well, nobody experiences life completely without the inner critic. It's just uh, certain people were lucky enough or were able to lower the frequency of their inner critic down so much that they don't experience that or hardly ever experience that frequency. Huh. Right? Uh, but I don't necessarily see anybody completely free of that uh, part within themselves. It's so interesting. In the same way that you cannot really fully be free in third dimensional worlds, like specifically on planet Earth, you cannot be free from some like child archetype within you. It's very hard to be freed from the judge archetype within you either. Huh. So the inner critic would be this judge archetype? Correct. Yeah? Yes. Mm. Well, it's judging. It's judging everything that you do to make sure that or some parts of what you do to make sure that you stay on the path and don't stray off the path. However, however, because this inner critic inherently does not belong to you. That's the one thing that we should get clear, right? Because if it's an inner critic that belongs to your higher self, essentially it belongs to your higher self, right? So it may have nothing to do with this particular incarnation of yours, by the way. If it belongs to your mom's lineage, still doesn't have any anything to do with with this incarnation of yours outside of the fact that you came from your mom's womb you know um especially if you've done healing right and um so it's almost like you're karmically living with an inner critic that may or may not have anything to do with your current performance levels who you are as a human or whether you're moving in the right direction or not and by the way by the way 
uh, because these, these are kind of like preset archetypes very often that you also walk into outside of your own. You know, you obviously you, you may create your own in this, this incarnation. Very often what your inner critic is criticizing you for may have nothing to do with what your path is in this particular incarnation. For example, say that one of your goals of this incarnation is to become really intelligent and, I don't know, win awards for, I don't know, like uh, w win a Nobel Prize in, in, in biology, whatever. That is what your higher self wanted you to do. At the same time, you happen to walk into a lineage uh, on your mother's side, for instance, where their inner critic is all about outward appearance. It may happen. It has happened. So in other words, your higher self wants you to excel intellectually and your inner critic is bombarding you with th thoughts um, around and, and judgment statements around how your body is awful and, and how you don't look pretty and, and, and your nails are, are never done or whatever. Um, and, and so you're in a predicament because you're torn essentially, right? Um, you know, like you, you really should be going on the intellectual path, but your inner critic is going to be like, well, you suck, you're fat, whatever, right? Now, it doesn't mean that it will prevent you from achieving in the intellectual realm of things. However, the problem with the inner critic is that um, the inner critic is always a frequency that's not in your favor because it's a negative frequency, right? The frequency of judgment is not a frequency of multiplying. It's a frequency of division and subtraction, right? If your inner critic is loud enough, what would end up happening also, so like if it's loud enough, which means that you haven't been able to deal with it, you don't know how to cope with it, you don't know how to lower the frequency. So essentially your inner critic can take over your life to some degree. Because your inner critic is hardly ever in your true favor, um, um, it, well, essentially what happens is it lowers your vibrational frequency, especially if you tune in to that part of you and believe in its narrative right? Because with the inner critic, there is different levels of acceptance of, of what that inner critic tells you. And very often it's correlated with how, how loud, how loud the inner critic is. It tends to be that very loud inner critics, if your inner critic is really loud, you really take that voice as the ultimate truth. If your inner critic is very soft, sometimes you just take it as well, like an opinion or something that's optional, if that makes sense. So um, the reason that inner critic is so dangerous is it keeps you in low vibration the more you listen to it. And it progressively could lower your vibrations, you know, throughout the day if you let it take over. And it can even take you off your path. Yes, because, because, right? An inner critic and dealing with an inner critic, dealing with that frequency is energy intensive. Um very often, you know, as I'm scanning the planet, some of you may spend up to up to 35% of your daily energy allotment just fighting your inner critic. Up to 35. That is a ton. That is a lot. 35% of your life energy. So, okay, let, let's put it, what is 35% of your life energy? Like, let's think about it. If you're alive for 16 hours, 5 
2.3 hours a day you would be fighting your inner critic imagine that's a lot just i know mentally right it's yes it's draining thoughts. it's draining because your inner critic especially if it's like um on, on a decibel scale if it's like five and above is is loud is considered loud um about 40 percent of the population has the inner critic five and above when your inner critic is five and above it's a constant dialogue in in your head and it's like a constant pendulum. It's a constant swing of, I suck. Maybe I'm not so bad. Oh my God, I'm really bad. Maybe I'm not so bad. Oh my God, I'm really terrible. And so it's this pendulum of back and forth and back and forth, right? Where essentially you're being attacked by a judge, your inner judge. And then you have to defend, you know, defend yourself. And then you're being attacked again and you defend yourself. And it's like a ping pong that never ends. By the way, the inner critic doesn't even, sometimes it doesn't even stop when you sleep. So for these people, like with a very loud inner critic, sometimes they don't even get a reprieve when they are asleep. And that's the ridiculous part. So because you're inner critic, so like, let's, let's get something really clear. When your inner critic is created, it's created as a coping mechanism. And it seems like in that moment in time, it's going to prevent you from something that's potentially life-threatening. Now, very often that not, that inner critic has a very, very short expiration date. As in, yes, maybe it'll, it's helpful for, I don't know, six months, but it stays with you forever. And sometimes for thousands of years, if you look at it at like the oversoul level, at the higher self level, right? Which means that the lesson that was relevant to you a thousand years ago is definitely not relevant to you now. What was relevant to you a thousand years ago or to your ancestor 3000 years ago is definitely not what should be relevant to you right now. And yet you still carry that as a load that you cannot seem to shake off right and you spend up to 35 percent of your life force just fighting back and forth with that inner critic what you could be doing with that energy instead is putting it into something that really matters to you in this moment in time that's crazy uh does it mean that uh it, it is actually by design that yes <laughs> Of we have to yeah go through this experience again not to sound like a broken record everything about this third dimensional world is working for you it's created for you it's not happening to you it is a benevolent system despite the fact that it might seem like a system with all this pain and fear and and madness and craziness but make no mistake it was built as an amazing training ground for you how else do you master intellectual worlds right so essentially here's how this works to master an intellectual first world, you need to master your own intellect. Your inner critic is a byproduct as well as a part of your own personal intellect space, your own personal mental body space. So in the same way that mastering love as a concept, concept as a frequency starts with loving yourself, mastering an intellectual based world starts with mastering your own intellect. In the same way that if we were in a heart-based world, you would start with having to master your feelings, right? You, the universe always starts with you. It doesn't end with you, but certainly starts there, right? That's why this tool was put in place for you as a, as a treadmill to enable you to understand your boundaries, what is and isn't healthy. And it's just one of those things that, you know, is there until you, you're able to transform and transmute that 
into something that does not prevent you from achieving your goals anymore. So it's a purely mental construct. It's a purely mental construct and it's also a mirror because part of it is, or should I say, it also sometimes points to the parts of you that are not fully healed. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's interesting. Well, how else, right? Because like you're, it's not accidental that you join certain lineages. Mm. It's not accidental that you join lineages with a particular inner critic, right? Let's let's take back the uh, to the example of the girl that wants to win the Nobel Prize or a guy whatever, and came into the lineage of a mother that you know, obsessed with outer appearance, right? Although in this particular life, your higher self wants you to pursue the intellectual path. The reason that you got attracted into this particular mother lineage is because you haven't fully healed your self-concept around your outward appearance and self-image. Otherwise, you would not be a match to this frequency. Hmm. You, you know magnets, right? Yeah. And you know how, depending on which side of the magnet you like... Um, you put to the other magnet it either repels or attracts yep so when your higher self selects lineages it must use the law of attraction it cannot go against the law of attraction and if your wound or, or its wound the wound of your higher self that it's trying to heal an aspect of your higher self does not match up to a particular lineage that it's trying to plug you into and incarnate into if those two wounds don't match up the, the the principle of repelling is going to take place so the magnets are going to repel it's not going to be able your higher self is not going to be able to plug you into that lineage it's it's impossible according to the laws of the matrix hmm, that makes because sense. that that that's why right like you may not currently work on this issue but make no mistake it's still your mirror so your inner critic is always your mirror. It's not accidental that you got that inner critic. And, you know, your path to, <laughs> I don't want to sound lofty, but your path to ascension soul level is through your inner critic, not around it. Okay. So in fact, your inner critic is a dead giveaway into the number one thing that you can heal in this intellectual first reality, Right. Because again, it's no coincidence that you came into an intellectual planet with a part of you that is an intellectual judge or intellectual critic. And the reason is, it's because this is the perfect dimension to transcend and heal that part of you and bring that into fullness with the rest of you. There is no other reason. Hmm. Like, what so would your be judge the... is essentially your doctor. And from what, a different perspective though. what what would be your driver of maybe like growth then because as i understand like this inner critic it sometimes pushes you to quit your job or like find a new relationship right uh sometimes it helps right or it's it's always negative and like if you don't have an inner critic what becomes this replacement don't mistake your inherent motivation with your judge uh -huh. because those are not the same thing um 
it's 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 not the same thing your inner critic is is an intellectual construct that does not have the right answers but it has all the ways that you're failing so instead you, like so okay don't mistake your inner critic for your north star ah that's your inner critic is not your inner compass here's here's essentially what the inner critic is the inner critic is i don't know what the right like this is what it's essentially if i were to put its message to you in words this is what it would sound like hey dude or hey girl i'm your inner critic i don't know what the right answer is but what you're doing is awful or what you are is not it that's the inner critic it essentially just like raises the bell and says wrong 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 hate don't love awful incompetent blah 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 north star is hi darling i'm the north star this is the path that you're supposed to be following this is what you should be doing let's do this come further make that step let's do this that's the north star do you know what i mean mm. now now does it mean that for some people the inner critic could be the guidance system well yes yes it could be because it always like wrong 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 like i mean it doesn't mean that it has the right answer it's just like it says everything is the wrong answer but also at what cost does it guide you right at the cost of a lot of loss of energy you don't need your inner critic to be able to align with your true north. The north star is for that. Your inner compass is for that. Your inner truth is for that. Your connection with your higher self is for that. Where you can get guidance without the uh, the bravement and without the, the 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 constant criticism, hmm. right? Now I don't know how many of you are talking to your higher self, but more often than not, those relationships are extremely nurturing. Hardly ever. And it has happened before. You know, when, when like the, the lower self really needs a wake-up call, the higher self is going to come through and give a, deliver a kick in the butt. But more often than not, these relationships are extremely positive. You know, it's more guidance as opposed to coercing and like making you do something, right? Because your higher self actually does respect the law of free will, right? Whereas your inner critic is somebody that is perpetually unhappy with you by definition, yeah, no matter what you do. Yes, uh, no matter what you achieve. No matter what you achieve, yeah. By the way, even if what you achieve, that's the ironic part. Even if you achieve 100% of what your higher self wanted, your inner critic may still be unhappy. Quick example. Let's say this girl won the Nobel Prize for biology, but she's 50 pounds overweight. What do you think her inner critic is going to think? That she sucks, that her life is empty and, and, and useless. Yeah. Right? Now, obviously, for that girl, the inner critic is not the entirety of her. So some other part of her may be happy because she won the Nobel Prize, right? But there is going to be one part of her, one aspect of her that's going to, not going to be happy, arguably, until this girl is skinny. And not even then, because then this inner critic, because this inner critic is always wired to find anything that's personally, anything that could potentially be wrong with this person. Because in this particular case, again, like, it was built around the outward appearance. So there was something in this girl's past or her lineages or past experiences, right? That somehow made her feel not enough because of what she looked like, right? 
So if that is perceived as the greatest threat to her livelihood is not looking a certain way, even if she loses the 50 pounds, maybe her nose is crooked or her teeth are not wide enough, or maybe her legs are shorter than ideally she would prefer, right? There's always something else for that inner critic to criticize. Same thing for like the overachiever critic, you know, say that your goal is $1 million and Trust me, even if you get your million dollars, your inner critic that is an overachiever is going to be able to criticize you about something because that is his job. That is the part of you that the only thing that it knows how to do and its sole function is to criticize you. So it'll be like, well, I don't know, I didn't make that million fast enough. Or I don't know, are you spending it too, like, too, um, like oh my God, what are you spending your money now? You're not going to have your million again? That could be like the thing that it could be upset with. Or then then it's going to be like, well, I don't know, like a million is not good enough. Like, let's set it now, like set a billion as a target. And then it'll like get on your nerves that you're like not reaching a billion. So the inner critic is always going to be like, there's something wrong with you, dude. There's like, you know, moving too slow, not loving it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's negative reinforcement all the time instead of like positive uh, vibrations. Hmm. So in fact, I would argue that going with the inner critic makes you slower, not faster. Because you have to spend all this time trying to fend off this part of you and, 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 and <laughs> making it shut up. Now, if you heal that part of you, if you integrate that part of you, the motivation is still there, right? You, like what you want doesn't change because the inner critic is gone. That makes sense. Because your inner critic is not the, the, the one that's setting the goals for you. It's just criticizing you as you're trying to achieve them. Hmm. Makes uh, sense? Yeah, makes sense. And uh, okay, um, go into the practical side. Uh, how do you deal with your inner critic? How do you heal it? How do you integrate it? Many ways, but the easiest one is probably going to be parts work. Uh, I'm sure you expected me to say that, or maybe not, I don't know. Um, here's the deal. You may have many inner critics, and if you are ready to do sophisticated parts work, you can ask all of them to show up right? Um, do you want me to give you a practice? Yes, please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. um, maybe we'll, we'll explore different, different ways of, of getting rid of, not getting rid of, quieting down your inner critic, shall I say. Um, because even quieting down your inner critic um, could be really, really helpful. Um, but first, let, let, let's try the parts work exercise. So you want to, you know, settle into your body, quiet down your mind, start breathing, all the good stuff that you would generally do to get yourself into a meditative theta state. And then you want to imagine that you're sitting at a round table and, you know, kind of like King Arthur in the round table and you're King Arthur, in, I guess, in this case. And so you're sitting at the round table and then around the table with you, are all the different parts of you that are your inner critic or critics, right? Um, you may have one, you may have a lot more than one, right? Generally speaking, they're not all created equal. So depending on, and I'm going to bring this as a framework because with energy work, there are many ways to, to skin the cat, so to say. So if you have inner vision and enough of you do, um, if you're able to look around the table, the parts, the inner critics that are sitting around the table, 
that are giving you the hard time are going to take the most space around the table. So you would notice that not every inner critic of yours is the same shape and size. Some of them are really tiny and others are really big. So you want to go for the big, fat, huge one. That's the first one that you want to deal with. For those of you that can't see anything for the life of them, as in can't see the table, can't see the critics, can't see nothing, that's fine. That's fine. You're going to work with intention in this case. If you're not able to evaluate with your third eye, by the way, I'll still challenge you to try. And the reason I'll challenge you to try if you don't see anything is because it's like a muscle. Your third eye is a muscle. I believe 100% of you listening to this podcast right now have access to your pineal gland and have access to open your third eye. Does it mean that you have access to it immediately? It does not. However, unless you try, that part of you may never get activated. So I actually challenge you and invite you to attempt to see who is sitting in the round table with you. If you cannot, that's fine also, right? If you made a, a you know, an honest attempt, still cannot see anything, that's cool. What you want to do is you want to ask the universe to show you the one inner critic, the one part of you that is preventing you from succeeding in this life the most. So just ask the universe to manifest that part, to put that part in front of you, right? If you're the one with the sight, if you're able to see this big, fat, huge part of you that's in the way, you want to approach that part of you. So we're going to be working with your biggest critic, right? Again, you can have God knows how many critics. Some of them may not even matter because we need to get the big one out of the way first. So you want to take a look at this critic. If again, if you have the site, uh, for those of you that have the site, you know, you want to pay attention to what gender it is, you know, how old it is, what personality does it have? It may have a color, actually, it may have a shape because not all of your inner critics are going to be humans. You know, they can be anything really. You can have a critic that is your totem animal, actually, or a spirit animal or a shape. And that is completely fine. Um, some of you may be able to hear a voice uh, of, of this inner critic. And you may, be even, you may even be able to pinpoint who this voice belongs to, even from this life or maybe like a past life memory. Like some of you might just have a knowing that it is a mother of yours from this life or some other life, or like a father of yours, right? Or some other authority figure, right? Some of you may just know for sure it's just yourself, right? So it's, it's nice to have an understanding of what, of, of what this part of you is. And then um, the inner critic, as I mentioned before, is a coping mechanism. The, so the one question you want to ask your inner critic is, what are you protecting me from? Is a good question to ask. What are you protecting me from? Yes, yeah, the inner critic. And then you should really tune into the answer. Now, for some of you, you might be able to hear clearly or just get a knowing of what this part is trying to protect you from, right? If you're not able to hear anything in for this particular meditation, what I would like for you to do is imagine that for a quick second, let's change perspectives and imagine that you are merging with that inner critic and your body in your mind's eye is literally merging with that, the body or the shape of that inner critic and you merge with its perspective for a quick second. 
And as you merge with its perspective, everything that it knows, you know. Everything that it feels, you feel. Everything that it thinks, you think. Because you essentially are one. So from this perspective of that inner critic, why don't you start talking, actually? And you can start talking out loud, and that's fine. It's okay if your eyes are closed. You want to start talking about, you know, when you got created, who you are, what is your role within the life of this human being? What are you here to protect this being from? Or what are you out there to get for this human? What is your role? What is your purpose? What is your mission in life? Right? So as you let this part express itself, that is where 80% of the healing is going to happen automatically. So with the inner critic, the most important thing is to give the inner critic the voice. Because the inner critic, um, despite the fact that you might be spending a big chunk of your time, quote unquote, dealing with it, this is the one part of you that always feels neglected and unheard. Like it always feels like you're not listening to it. You're not paying attention. You're still doing your thing despite, you know, it like ringing the bells and raising the alarm and, and sounding the alarm and just like alerting you to all the things that are off about your path all the time. So your inner critic is the one part of you that always feels misunderstood, neglected, not underappreciated, etc., etc. right? So you want to give it a voice. And then once you have heard or you have told the, that part of the story, you want to split back into your own consciousness, right? And look at that inner critic. And essentially, you want to take it by its hands, if it has the hands. If it doesn't have the hands, you want to place the palms of your hands on its body, where you would either perceive its heart or its third eye. You could also do one arm on the third eye and one arm on the heart. One thing that is important is a transmission in this case. This transmission that you're going to do through your heart and through your third eye is a transmission from you to your inner critic. And what you want to communicate to your inner critic is your vision of the future, what you would like to be, what you would like to get, and how you would like to feel, you know, when you get there, right? And that transmission can be like very quick, right? Because you talking to you is actually instant. Because the moment you focus on your desired outcome, or how you want to feel on a day-to-day basis or what your goals are, your inner critic immediately understands that. Now, this is a very, very important thing. So like the critic just gets heard first. Step two, um, the transmission part, the inner critic needs to understand what you're trying to get. And then what you want to do is you want to ask your inner critic for permission to rewire and rewrite it in a way that serves your mission. Very often than not, you would get that permission from your critic because the one thing that every aspect of you wants to do is it wants to serve you. That's a very important part to get. So no matter how many parts you have, no matter how disjointed they may feel, they are all out there to help you achieve your best life and your ideal outcome. I have pretty much never met a part that is not on board with with your greater good right as soon as you get permission from that inner part as you 
to rewrite it, right? Two things that you want to do. Thing number one, thing number one is you want to imagine a thread of golden light. It's a vertical thread. You want to imagine the thread of golden light starting to penetrate this inner critic of yours from top to bottom and then up and down again. Like So like up and down, up and down, going through essentially all the cells in the body of, of, of this entity of your inner critic, rewiring and rewriting that inner critic. Um, so essentially that inner critic for a quick second becomes golden and gilded because that thread is golden, right? So all of its body turns golden. The golden state of energy is a very potent state of energy. So it's almost like, how should I explain this? You know, like metal, when you, when you heat metal, it becomes liquid. And when metal becomes liquid, you essentially can put it into any container, right? And the metal will take the shape of the container, right? That is how essentially, like if you put molten gold inside of a cup, it'll, and, and then cool it off, it'll be the shape of that cup. So the same thing here with your energy, when energy in, is in its manifest state, which in, and like any part of you that has separated itself, like an inner critic is a manifest state of energy. And what I mean by that is it is a state of energy that have come together in a particular configuration that serves a particular function. When you rewrite that energy with a golden thread, essentially it's like taking a, a solid piece of gold into molten gold which is a very moldable phase, phase or state of energy. So now you have your inner critic being this liquid gold type of state. Through here, through here, a couple of things are possible. So you get to rewrite this part of you however you want. You have two options here. Option one is if you have a particular task for this part that you would like a mission almost, that you would want this part to do. Example. I want you to always point out the good things about me, the positive things about me, instead of the things that are wrong about me. That could be a mission, right? I don't know. Another example of a mission could be, I want you to attract all kinds of great people into my life that could further and help and assist me with my mission. That could be something that you want to give this part. Anything that you perceive to be positive and of help, you could assigned to this part as a homework. If you don't have an answer, or if you'd rather not assign anything specific because you're afraid of making the wrong, like making, making a mistake, making the wrong move, you can ask the universe or source consciousness to rewire and rewrite this part of you in a way that is going to serve your goal and further your goal. And the way you would do that is you would be like, Dear universe, dear source, could I please have your assistance with rewriting this set of my code, or this subset of my code, in a way that would enable me to achieve my goals in this incarnation? And then when you declare that, you want to kind of like step back a little bit and let this golden energy do its magic. It's going to reshape that energy into something. It may be a shape again, an animal, I don't know, a human, an extraterrestrial, who knows, it'll be something. And then that something, you know, is, is, is essentially once it's going to be shaped, it is just going to, it's just going to dissipate. 
into the rest of you, right? Now, it's going to have its own identity, but that's going to be a positively based identity as opposed to a critic, right? Uh, and again, the universe and the source are always on your side. So don't worry, they're going to rewrite it into the perfect type of code. So again, the molding is really... The molding is really, really important, right? Um, so I would say this is probably like a really, really good proxy for, you know, how you want to work with um, uh, your inner critic. Uh, that's not the only way. Uh, but rewriting it that way would definitely help. That's a really great practice. And then you can repeat it with the rest. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And uh, would it guarantee you kind of quieting it down uh, or there will be still some uh, part that will still so this part of you like when you rewire it like that that is that would essentially have that energy be completely rewired Mm-hmm. So this is not the the means of quieting down your internal dialogue. This is the means of completely rewiring your inner critic. Right. Right. So that should dissipate that energy completely and, and build something new else and different in its place. That's really cool. You could quiet down your internal dialogue as well. Right. And essentially it, it does require though, it does require a certain amount of energy free-floating energy if you just want to quiet it down and, and that from that standpoint you know this 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 parts work exercise I just explained is a lot easier um yeah and you can quiet down just for a period of time yes right? yes because if it bothers you in the moment you can quiet down but it will come back correct anyway. that's why it's uh it's a practicing you to have to like when you quiet something down and, w- and when you quiet something down it's essentially when the thought comes through right you lower the frequency of the radio not the frequency of the volume i meant it's kind of like in the same way that you'd lower like the volume of your radio in the car you literally imagine that there's a radio cosmic radio and it's playing that frequency of your inner critic and you want to imagine that you're just lowering 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 the vol- volume enough so that you can barely hear your inner critic anymore right So that is the lowering of the frequency. Now, you would have to do that fairly consistently. And by the way, does it ever get rid of your inner critic? No. Does it enable you to better cope with it? Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. I I think it's uh, a great practice and uh, we will explore more. But I think it's uh, definitely enough for this episode. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing this information with us today. And now I'm going to end this session. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love. Maria and Sergei.